Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. This podcast is brought to you by Grasshopper. Do more on mow day with a grasshopper mower made for a smooth cut from the fields to your front lawn. Joining me today is Dave Mowat, Successful Farming's Executive Machinery Editor and a heck of a nice guy and co-worker. <laughs> Dave, it looks like 2021 may finally be a better year for agriculture. We're keeping our fingers crossed anyway. So a lot of farmers may be thinking, yeah, it may be time to purchase some new equipment. Now, the theme of this podcast is adding resale value to the equipment you already have. But maximizing that resale value down the road starts as soon as you drive it off the lot. So the next thing to buy to go with that new purchase is a notebook. Can you tell us why that is? What you're trying to do is to prove to whoever's going to buy your equipment that it has been well taken care of. And what provides great evidence of that is a notebook, as well as all the service records that you've put in that machine. It reassures for example, the dealer that you're trading the equipment in for new equipment, or if you have the equipment at auction, especially at auction if you're selling it. And certainly with the easy access to online auction these days, we're seeing far more machinery being sold online. You can go to a big iron sale that's held once a week, anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 items being sold. Farmers are buying it all over the country, and it's become a great marketplace or an option for farmers to go and get rid of their machinery. So the idea behind the notebook is whenever there's anything wrong with the machine, anytime you ever do any work on the machine, anytime that you've changed oil, unless the service records display that information, you write it down in the notebook. And then you provide that with the equipment when you sell it. And I say equipment. This ought to be done not only on tractors and anything with an engine, tractors, combines, even pickup trucks, semi-trucks, but also with intricate implements such as planters or sprayers would be a motorized piece of equipment. But it shows that the machine has been well cared for and it reassures them. I've always said that if you're going to do two things, you always keep all the service records on a machine with the machine. but You could keep it in files in your machine shed or at your office, wherever that's at. But then get it out and take it with the machine when you're going to trade in or you're going to auction. And then you just keep that notebook. You make the notions about, oh yeah, I I put a dent in the back of the tractor by backing it into so-and-so. So this is a great thing to have. It just is peace of mind for someone that's going after machinery. What does that mean in value? Well, I, I can't really say it's going to add 5 or 10 or 20% to a piece of machinery. But if you see two tractors, basically similar hour, years, similar hours, sitting in a machinery line at an auction, and one of them has all this equipment, has the service records posted on the wall of the cab, you've taped them up there, and there's the notebook. 
uh, you're going to get 10, 15% more for that tractor at a minimum. And it also helps if it's been well cared for. And you see that on the outside of the machine. It's been washed and waxed or, you know, put away properly. If it's been shedded and the paint isn't faded. Now, I'm going to put in a major proviso here. These rules typically apply to older pieces of machinery best. What I mean by best, they have a bigger impact on a tractor that's, say, 20 years old that you're selling at auction, as opposed to one that's two years old and you're turning it over as part of your scheduled machinery replacement program. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. You know, you've got a tractor that's a 2019 and it's got 350 hours on it or 400 hours on it. Different deal. Certainly doesn't hurt to have service records. But the fact of the matter is that combine, that tractor, that self-propelled sprayer is likely going to go to the dealer as part of a trade-in deal as opposed to selling it at auction. Although I can tell you what surprised me about what's happened with online auctions and the fact that being able to buy machinery at auction is more accessible now to everyone. I can be sitting in Maryland easily bidding on a machine in Iowa and then actually not only make arrangements for it to be transported to my farm online, auction houses provide that type of service. You can get it financed on the spot and you can be sitting anywhere bidding on that piece of equipment. Not only in your office, you can be on your smartphone in a tractor cab, spraying corn, for example, or, or in a combine. So. What that has done is greatly expanded the number of buyers in the auction market area. And we're beginning to see participation go up in that area. Now, back to what I was saying before, older pieces of equipment, having service records is important there, having that machine taken care of and presenting it that way. Also, the notebook just establishes a private ownership. There are other things you can do as well. You wash the machine especially older tractor, or older combine, if you're looking at it, especially the engine cavity is caked with grime. And you will see that, and it's pretty typical. It's been run for 25 years, and there's all this grime around the engine, around the transmission, at the rear of the tractor, for example, the hydraulic area, engine cavities and combines, even the inside of combines, which had nothing to do with the engine, it's dirty, it's dusty, it's full of trash. It was put away that way. It was never cleaned out. Again, it's all presentation. You wouldn't go to church in work pants and, and a shirt, nor should you take a piece of machinery you're selling at auction or to a dealership dirty. It's that little extra effort that just says, I take care of my machinery. Peace of mind for someone bidding on your equipment. And boy, you can see it at auctions. I've seen rows of tractors tracks that are similar and those that are presented better, that are clean, that don't have grime on them, that are a little shinier or the paint's not so faded because they, they were kept in a shed when not in use or they were waxed up. And I know guys think it's silly to wax farm machinery, but literally, no, it is not. A combine's a big job to wax, but self-propelled sprayers and tractors, it's not a bad thing to do. So it's enticing that guy. You're presenting yourself in the best image. You're going to church in your Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, in other words. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dave about replacement parts and technology upgrades. Stay tuned. 
When it's mow day, you want a mower that'll start right up, do the job, and keep you feeling good while you're working. Grasshopper mowers cut and ride smooth with an outfront deck that cuts way more in less time, giving you a clean, even cut whether you're facing obstacles in the field like ditches and fence line or just striping the front lawn. The versatility of the grasshopper lets you move from one to the other seamlessly, so your work is that much closer to done. Grasshopper mowers, committed to the cut. Dave, through the life of a machine, you're going to have to replace parts if you have this machine for any length of time. So if you're thinking resale value down the road, should you use OEM replacement parts or does it matter? It's widely debated. On my advice, go with OEM parts. Will fit is, that's what they call non-OEM is will fit parts are okay. And certainly we know that there's reputable supplier of parts out there. And if you not go with OEM parts, you know, John Deere parts for John Deere equipment, then at least pick reputable, will-fit parts. Buy items from a brand name recognized outlet, uh, such as Napa, for example, not to pull them out, as opposed to parts that are just sitting on a shelf in a farm fleet store. The thing is, is that OEM parts, as the name implies, original equipment, manufacturer parts follow the specs that the manufacturer put down for that part and will fit parts may or may not meet those specs but ask if you're going to do so does it meet the requirement of the oem standard the original manufacturer standard that they're out there you can look around you can find them but be careful about that i think we've seen some knockoff oil filters Certainly, you know, go buy Baldwin filters, go buy Napa filters, as well as John Deere filters and Case IH filters, as long as they meet the OEM specs. But boy, I'd be questionable about some things that we're beginning to see on shelves, because we're getting a lot of parts from overseas, particularly China, and they may not meet the specs. They're just sticking a part out there. So what happens if you're using an oil filter and the filter medium is not meeting the OEM spec? You're getting a lot of pass through on particulates through that oil, and it's starting to score the piston sleeves, for example, or causing problems in the hydraulic system. So I say as a standard, always go with OEM or parts that meet OEM specifications. And I guess that goes into uh, fluids as well. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, fluids especially. I can tell you right now that when it comes to engine oil, it is absolutely crucial that you use engine oil that meets original equipment manufacturer specifications because oil formulations on diesel engines particularly have changed so much so that we can meet emission standards. And going out and buying SAE 30, it's still available. I still see it being sold. We're not putting that oil in John Deere A tractors. We're putting them into John Deere 8640s out there that are running at higher temperatures. They're running at higher pressures, not only in the hydraulic system, but in the engine itself. The fuel system pressures is higher. The tolerances are much tighter. And so good oils are essential. Now there, you know, go with good branding oils. If you got John Deere equipment, it could be Deere, or it could be Chevron, or it could be Exxon, or it could be Sitgo. Now, a lot of these oils certainly meet OEM standards. And it's very crucial because what can happen, especially with tier four diesel engines, 
I'll give you a great example. You use the wrong oil, it starts burning off excessively. It starts plugging the diesel particulate filter that's now required in these tractors. And you end up with a four to $5,000 repair because that filter starts getting plugged with a lot of soot that comes off the burning of the oil, for example. These oils these days are specifically formulated to meet high performance standards. By the way, they're backdated. I mean, you can still use that oil, the latest standard in diesel oil formulations, for a 40-year-old tractor. They'll work great there. In fact, they'll be better than the original oil that you used in that tractor. But it's crucial to do that. A little sidelight on fuel, too. Be very picky about the fuel that you're getting. Certainly, there's outstanding fuel that's coming from all sources out there. But do go with brand name fuels. If you're using a co-op fuel, that's great. For example, Cenex has an outstanding program that assures that the quality of the fuel being delivered to the farm is great. The problem comes in with fuel that's stored in diesel tanks. And let's say you're buying fuel at the traditional yearly low. That's about February, March. Diesel has a tendency to settle out and become a little cheaper. You have a massive tank. You're taking a massive delivery in, on fuel. You're dumping it into a tank that maybe hasn't been cleaned out in years that has accumulated moisture over this time, and you're polluting that great fuel that's coming in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So number one, if you haven't gone in and cleaned out your fuel tank, do so. Let it drain down as far as you can. If you have to, there's some companies that'll come in and actually filter the fuel that's in a tank and then drain it and try to clean it out inside. It's a little tough when you got a, a ground-based or a fuel that's below ground. But this is crucial because what happens is fuel sitting in storage, especially in the summer, it gets hot during the day, and then it gets cold at night. Well, when it cools down, it reduces in volume. That sucks in ambient air, outside air, into the tank that has moisture with it. And then that starts condensing on the sides of the fuel tank into moisture that drips down into the uh, oil. Eventually, over time, you know, that settles that into kind of a sludge at the bottom of the fuel tank. Now, we were able to get away with dirty fuel back in the good old days because, again, tolerances, especially on fuel injection systems, were a lot more loose than they are today. Boy, today, they're just really down tight. And you start pumping a lot of dirty fuel through these engines, you're going to start blowing injectors. You're going to start plugging not only filters, but you're going to start doing serious damage to the fuel system on the machine. So again, you know, it, it, I've even seen tractors sell at auction where the guys will state, uh, this was the oil I used and this was the fuel that we use. I always use Cenex, you know, or Co-op or Chevron fuel in my, my machine. Again, the whole idea is that when you are going to sell this piece of machinery, you want to present it as a good deal. By the way, guys think that this doesn't matter much when it comes to trade-in. Actually, it does. A dealer will give you more on trade-in. 
Okay. But Taylor also knows when they get that machine in, if it's been well taken care of, they're going to be able to sell it much easier off their lot. So they want to buy equipment that is quote unquote cherry. Cherry equipment always sells higher and it always sells faster. Besides, you avoid repairs, you avoid breakdowns. And boy, I tell you, breakdowns in the middle of planting, according to some of the research I've done, I mean, you're talking three to five to $10,000 an hour you will lose during a breakdown. Dave, let me ask about technology upgrades. It may not be as important if you're trading off something you've only had for a couple of years, although sometimes as fast as technology with precision ag changes from year to year, is it worthwhile to put in the latest and greatest before you try to sell it? You know, you can debate that one way or the other. I think what the machine has is what you're going to sell it at. I don't know if you want to necessarily go and buy some software that allows, say, a the tractor to be able to work with a planter to uh, have row cut off, for example. Typically, you'll sell it for what came with the machine. So I don't know if I'd go and invest in a technology upgrade that way. Here's where technology upgrades have a huge impact, and that's when you're a buyer. Back in the good old days, not that long ago, actually, I say back in the good old days, 20, 30 years ago, a tractor was a tractor was a tractor. A 4640 was a 4640 John Deere. They all basically came the same, the same engine, the same transmission, the same cab, everything. These days, let's take tractors, I'll go along with tractors. There can be huge, huge differences. Let's take a John Deere 8320, for example, or a Case IH Magnum 340. Two tractors of those two models sitting side by side. And there can be, if they're late model, for example, 2019, there can be a five to 10 to 15, even $20,000 price difference between two Case IH Magnum 310s that are the same year, say 2018. And that is because one comes with the CVT transmission, for example, or it has a suspended front axle, or it has a suspension in the cab. The machinery industry is really upselling a lot of equipment today. It's striking when you look at combines and tractors and self-propelled sprayers, the huge differences there are in what used to be just a standard model. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more about the aesthetics of the machine, such as the interior of the cab. And should you replace expensive parts, such as disc blades on a planter? Stay tuned. Get more done on mow day in less time with a grasshopper zero-turn mower. Stripe, mulch, and bag trimmings from the fields to the front yard without skipping a beat. Edging? No longer necessary. Maintenance and cleanup? Easy. With a powerful deck that lifts with the press of a button, only grasshopper gives you the cut speed and durability to stand up to farm life. Grasshopper mowers. Committed to the cut. Dave, I know when I look at a car, I'm looking at the inside, the interior, to make sure there aren't rips and shreds and, you know, pop cans or whatever underneath the car seats and everything else. Is it that important to maintain the interior of, say, a combine or a tractor cab? Do people look at that? Oh, certainly. Clean it up. Gosh, I've seen tractors sell on some auction lines and you get inside and they've been used in a feedlot and my gosh, there's mud and manure and they smell. And yeah, come on, you know. Take the extra time, clean it out. What's it going to cost you an afternoon or less to go into the cab and just clean it? It'll add, believe it or not, thousands of dollars to the value of that machine. If the seat is really bad, you may want to buy a replacement 
it all depends on how much the replacement cost. On an old, old piece of machinery, you kind of expect the seat to be worn and you just go into it. If you're buying that tractor, you know you're going to have to replace the seat or sit on the whole thing. Uh, later model machine, I'd be a little hesitant to necessarily go in and replace the seat just to get it sold. Cab liners, however, are a different deal. I've had several auctioneers tell me that uh, torn liner, headliners, you know, the padding all over the cab, if it's hanging down, if you've had mice in it, to go ahead and just spend the money to get a reliner kit. And by the way, there's reliner kits available for almost every cab made, probably not the cabs that were 50 years old or older. To go in and do that is acceptable because it shows off the cab in the best position, as opposed to one that's really ratty looking. And in that case, if you have a tractor or a combine, say 20 years old, and its hours are fairly reasonable, whatever the hours, it depends on the machine, then you may want to go in and invest in interior improvements in the cab. Here, however, is a general rule for farm machinery. Don't repaint it. Really? Why is that? Farmers will look at a painted machine and think that a tractor jockey has gotten that thing and has given it a paint job, get it sold, and it's hiding some problem. It's just a perception. It absolutely has nothing to do with quality. Well, it does have to do with quality. A repainted machine will be a higher quality machine in some regards because it's got a new coat of paint. It's just a perception somebody's trying to hide something. This is the exact opposite in the construction industry. If you go to a big construction sale, such as one of those being held by Ritchie Brothers, there are consigning companies that are, say, they're getting rid of their line of crawlers and they're changing over. Construction companies will almost entirely sell their line through auctions, not in trade-ins. They'll pay for that machine to be repainted so it looks really nice. And Ritchie Brothers, for example, on their large lots and their massive auction sites, you'll see both the auditorium where they sell the machinery. You can sit in a padded seat and buy machinery. But also they have facilities set up so they've reconditioned this equipment. There, the reason why you do it in construction, because a construction company that comes along and is buying that used equipment wants it to look good at the site it's being used because it's a matter of pride. And it says to the people that hired him, these guys have good looking equipment. Isn't that odd? Farm machinery mm. is not the case. Yeah. Don't repaint it. Sell it as it is. Wash it up. Even wax it if you can. I would even go through and there's some auto body rubs that will take haze off of tractors and recondition the existing paint itself and make it look a little better. If you want to spend the time to do that, don't repaint. Turning towards some of the expensive parts on the equipment, such as disc blades on a planter, if they're a little dull, is the money invested worth it for resale value if you replace those before you try to sell it? Again, it's like the repainting thing. A guy's buying a used planter, he expects the discs to be a little dull and they expect them to be a little rusty. This is true of packer wheels, true of any soil engaging component out there. If they're bent, if they're chipped, if there's obviously a problem, then replace it because it'll help to say that you were taking care of the machine. Okay, you're looking at a planter and you're seeing all those discs out there and you see a couple that are pretty banged up pretty bad. You know, it doesn't hurt if you have to replace two or three discs, but I would not replace the disc there because they're dull. 
A guy that's buying a used piece of equipment will be looking at soil engaging components and then judging whether they can resharpen them, for example, the case of coulters and discs, or whether they have to replace it. What are some of the little things that can get away from you that, you know, you may not immediately think of? Well, again, clean. Some guys will do a decent job cleaning up a tractor or combine in the cab <laughs> on the surface. But you get into a combine. I've seen combines show up at auction and you look in the back of it, such as the residue management system, the chopper, or you're looking in the sieves. And I've seen combines look fairly decent on the outside. You look in the back and you go, my God, the sieves are plugged with residue that was never cleaned out. The guy didn't even bother to start up the combine and just run it for a while to get the stuff out of there. And I'm not talking vacuum the combine out, but if you have to, pull the sieves out, clean them out, and then put them back in so that, again, presents the machine a lot better. Go to the feeder house and clean it up. Go to the header itself and clean it up. Just get rid of the residue that's there. I don't think there's any better return for time spent cleaning up a machine before you sell it because an hour spent there can mean thousands of dollars in extra value. Again, it's all to the eye of the beholder trying to make that thing look nice. So do some repairs that are obvious. Yeah, of course, you know, you got a 50-year-old tractor, a 50-year-old disc or something like that. The hoses are pretty ratty. Uh, you know, you got to say, am I really going to get that much from that machine if I replace the hoses? But on newer machine, if the hoses for some reason got kinked, got worn, were looking pretty bad, just replace the hoses for the cost that you have into them. Cylinders would be something that you wouldn't have to replace, for example, hydraulics, because a guy doesn't even, he's not going to be able to operate that machine, raise it up and lower it down. So I wouldn't go into that. But generally, be prudent when you're thinking about replacing parts on a machine. It's like the technology question before. Should the machine you're selling have all the latest in technology in it? I'd say sell it with the technology that it came with. And again, when it comes to replacing parts on it, only replace those parts that obviously make the machine look like it hasn't been well cared for, because I think that'll be a good investment on your part. Thanks, Dave Moitz, for being my guest, to Grasshopper for sponsoring this podcast, and thank you for listening. For Successful Farming, I'm Jody Henke.